This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It's Tuesday, January 9th. We're talking some Indians baseball as we bring in Indians reporter for MLB.com, Jordan Bastian. Happy New Year, Jordan. Just over a month or so till pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. We'll get into looking at the lineup rotation bullpen as it sets up for 2018. But first, let's just look overall at the offseason from your perspective when you look at the Indians in terms of their goals coming into the offseason. Have they accomplished what they set out to do? Well, I mean, they knew that there was a, a high likelihood of Carlos Santana testing the open market and getting a big contract, and he did exactly that when he left for the Phillies. You know, so that left a big hole at first base. Um, you know, they weren't able to be a big player on some of the biggest ticket names out there on the market, but got an intriguing one in Yonder Alonso, a guy who had a career year uh, last season, and the Indians are putting a lot of faith that in the idea that what he did last year, you know, while it was sort of an outlier for his career as a whole, you know, he made changes last year that they could look at and kind of say, you know, there were reasons behind this career year and they have a lot of faith that that's going to be sustainable going forward. If that's true, then this could end up being a steal of a contract, you know, so he'll go back in the middle of that lineup. They obviously a year ago uh, made a big splash with Edwin Encarnacion, so Yonder Alonso can go right in the middle with Edwin. Uh, you know, and the other goals, they didn't really need to do much on the rotation front. Bullpen, they lost Brian Shaw and Joe Smith in free agency. Um, so there's still a chance that they could look to fortify that bullpen before spring training, before the season. Um, but I would say right now the biggest goal going into the winter was solving the potential loss of Santana, and they answered that with Yonder Alonso, but it's tough to say right now whether that's going to be the last move of this winter. Yeah, we'll have to see how it all all plays out and if Alonzo can continue off his career year from last season. Uh, before we get more into the lineup and just uh, seeing if they can even improve, they had a great lineup last year, sixth in all of baseball runs scored. But in terms of moves that could still come, uh, could there be bullpen help still out there for this team? Or, or if they stood pat, would that be just fine from the way you look at it now? Well, I mean, they've got a pretty dynamic back-end duo in Cody Allen and Andrew Miller. And while Brian Shaw logged a, a huge load over the last five years for the Indians, you know, they have guys that they could mix and match with in those sort of mid-to-late innings to bridge the gap to Miller and Allen. Guys like Dan Otero, Zach McAllister, and two guys who kind of stepped forward last year, um, seized jobs and, and pitched pretty well in Nick Goody and Tyler Olson. You know, guys are probably now going to see more innings with the departure of Smith and Shaw. So I think there's a lot of potential there for mixing and matching, but the depth chart behind that group still looks pretty thin. So I would say that, you know, maybe they're not going to go out and get a huge marquee name before spring training or before the season, but I would think that the idea would be to add as much experience 
uh, depth, maybe take a flyer on a couple guys, add some more non-roster types, and come into camp with some intriguing guys who could maybe win a job out of the bullpen. It'll also be interesting to see, you know, when the bullpen mix, if one of the starting pitchers, because of the depth of rotation, winds up in the bullpen as well. So I think a guy like Danny Salazar, one of their starters, could be dangled as trade bait to solve a need somewhere else on the roster. Uh, You know, there's different things they could do, but they don't have a lot of money in terms of free agency. So I think if they're going to make another big move, it's probably going to have to involve some sort of trade, uh, sort of subtraction in order to have addition. Yeah, they may not have all that extra money to spend, but you can make up for that with versatility and depth, as you said, and that can help you go get a piece if you need to do that. Rotation-wise, I'm not sure how you can improve on allowing the fewest runs in baseball last season, 3.30 ERA. Um, is it, when, when, it's, when they look at it going into the season, is it just, okay, let's just keep it going. We did it last year, same type of thing once more, or is there always room for improvement the way these competitors look at it? Well, it's, I mean, from top to bottom, they have one of the deepest rotations in baseball, one of the deepest pitching staffs in baseball. And so I think that's where when they say, okay, we lost a guy like Brian Shaw or Joe Smith in the bullpen, they know that they have the depth from top to bottom to potentially make up those innings. And that's obviously supremely true with this rotation that's headed up with Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco, who were both Cy Young contenders. Last year, Trevor Bauer took a huge step forward. You know, I think... When you're looking at improving the rotation, it's going to have to be, you know, maybe you look at individually. A guy like Danny Salazar, if he's, you know, continues to be part of the plans and doesn't get dealt in the trade, you know, this is a guy that still has a huge ceiling um, and is controllable for for several seasons to come. You know, they have a, a perfect example in Carlos Carrasco, who dealt with injuries, dealt with inconsistency, spent time in the bullpen, you know, and looked at one point in his career like this guy's not going to figure it out but they remain patient with him, and now he's a Cy Young contender. And so the Indians are sort of that type of organization that needs to have patience first. And so for a guy like Salazar, it makes sense to, to try and hold, that, hold the ground with him and hope he develops. So I think when you're talking about improvement with the rotation, it's going to be sort of on that individual basis, not, not in terms of external acquisitions because it would be hard to go out and acquire the type of guys at the cost uh, that the Indians already have these guys in the fold. We're talking with Indians reporter from MLB.com, Jordan Bastian. And, Jordan, let's look at the lineup now going into the 2018 season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Yonder Alonso, the big addition. Indians scored the sixth most runs in baseball last year, 263 they hit as a team. So, overall, just looking at the lineup going into next year, do you feel Alonso can step right in for Santana and a seamless fit next to Edwin Encarnacion in the middle of that order? Are there any other issues that you see looming potentially in the lineup? Well, the construction of the lineup is going to be interesting. You know, last year we saw Jose Ramirez sort of bounce around and then find a home in that number three spot. That number three spot had been uh, where Terry Francona loved having Michael Brantley. He was a high-contact hitter uh, you know, who may now be bumped down to five with you get Edwin in four. And you know Where does Jason Kipnis fit into this, not only on the field but in the lineup and Francisco Lindor? is a switch hitter who showed a lot of power last year. You know, he spent time in the leadoff spot. You know, there's a lot of different ways to go. I think what's what's good about the lineup, what's strong about it is it's it's pretty deep from top to bottom and there's a lot of different combinations that you could do. It's not you know, I don't think you look at this lineup and think, 
you know, a lot of those guys who would be in the mix for the, the one through three spots, they could go in any one of those. And I think you could make an argument that it makes sense. Um, but I think in all likelihood, you're going to see Francisco Lindor at the top, which is where he ended last year. Uh, you're going to maybe see some mixing and matching in that number two spot. You've got Jose Ramirez probably entering the year as a three-hitter. Then obviously you have guys like Edwin, Brantley, Yonder Alonso, and then it gets, you know, there's a lot of options for the lower third of the lineup as well. Guys like Lonnie Chisholm, who fought injuries but had a great year offensively. Bradley Zimmer, who, you know, seems like his ceiling is extremely high. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to go with the bottom end um, with the catchers as well. So uh, Roberto Perez and Jan Gomes. Again, it's this looks like a lineup where you're not going to say this is the one through nine order every night. I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, puzzle pieces being moved around by Francona, and he's done that expertly over the last few years with this team. Absolutely, and that, that versatility, a manager loves that when he can mix and match and see who's, depending on who's hot, who's not, and be able to figure out the lineup as he goes. As we wrap up here, Jordan uh, was switching gears a little bit, looking at the Rookie Career Development Program, and he'll be continuing with that. It took place last weekend for the Indians. Catcher Francisco Mejia took part in that. If you could just talk a little bit about Mejia's progress overall. Yeah, I mean, Mejia made tremendous strides last year. Um, two seasons ago, he obviously made a lot of headlines with his 50-game hitting streak. Uh, last year, he continued to make the jump and develop as a, as a catcher and then reached the big leagues before the season was over. Uh, this offseason, they had him go to the Arizona Fall League, try his hand at third base a little bit just to sort of introduce some versatility because he's one of those prospects where maybe the bat is ready or almost ready and they're trying to find a way to expedite his path to the big leagues. Uh, so you look at a guy like Jason Kipnis, for example, when he was a minor leaguer, he was drafted as an outfielder, and they moved him to second base because they knew that would be a swifter path to the big leagues. Not necessarily in Francisco, saying Francisco Mejia is a third baseman, but they're saying, let's bring you into camp with you know some more tools in your toolbox. And if you fit on the roster in a certain way, because the Indians already have two very capable catchers in Jan Gomes and Roberto Perez who have built a great rapport with this dynamic pitching staff, guys who are established, guys that the pitchers love working with, you know, they don't want to necessarily disrupt that aspect of the lineup. So if you think Francisco Mejia is knocking on the door as a hitter, maybe you play him at third base a little bit, move him around to see if there's another way he can help the team. So I think that's going to be interesting to follow this spring because – uh, I think Francisco Mejia is knocking on the door in one way or the other for the Indians. Jordan, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for the time. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you again soon as the season approaches. I'm Darwin Zook. Thanks for tuning in on MLB.com Extras. <laughs>